2: Welcome to another episode of the Sword and Shield. I am Chief Master Sergeant Christopher Howard, 960th COG Superintendent, and today with me I have...
0: Captain Billy Hutto, Chief of Stanville, 960th COG. Master Sergeant Jarrett Miner, 854th Combat Operations Squadron, Unit Crew Advisor. Awesome, gentlemen. I
2: really do appreciate you guys taking some time today. Um, We were talking a little bit ago about uh, 9-11 and uh, kind of... uh, where were you, right? And uh, you mentioned something, sir, minor about your time. I was wondering if you could share that with our gladiators about where were you
0: um, and some of the things that were going on on that day. Absolutely. I joined the Air Force in May of 2000. Uh, I felt like I wanted to do something a little more meaningful with my life. I was going to school at the time and signed up to be an F 16 crew chief. And I'm stationed at Luke Air Force Base in Arizona and had been working the shift. And my whole world changed on September 11th because. I woke up and saw that there were messages on my voicemail. My mother had called, my girlfriend had called, everybody was trying to alert me to the fact that something had happened in New York to the Twin Towers. And uh, they called us all in to work and we all got caught up on the news that was happening and and then got on with our workday. Gotcha.
2: So that really did change the workday, right? I mean, I think that uh, all of us that were in uh, during that time, that workday changed instantly and subsequently uh, every day after that was different. So how did it change for you?
0: Yeah. So we worked at a training base. We trained F-16 pilots. And so we were aware that we stood in a position to have an effect on what was going to be going on to to go after uh, whatever adversary that our leadership had chosen. And so I took satisfaction in knowing that I had a part in training the pilots that were going to be going overseas and flying missions. Um, and so we did have to ramp up a little bit. Uh, we did have to increase our, our training capacity to, be able, to make sure we could meet the demands of the pilots that were needed. Gotcha. Okay. So almost
2: got really quick into a readiness posture. Everybody getting prepped, checking IMR. Hey, who is everybody ready to go? Is everything updated um, with the idea that uh, there might be a
0: forward deployment in the near, near future, right? Absolutely. And that was something my mother was worried about when she had called. I uh, could hear the distress in her voice because here she had her her son who had just joined the Air Force. And now this event has kicked off and, and she was afraid I was going to have to be uh, deployed. Um but in my case, I, I had the role of working there at the, at the training base and, and supporting the pilot training. So Were you excited?
2: Were you fearful? I mean, what was going on in your head when all this stuff starts going down that first few hours to that first day, two days, you know, when everything starts ramping up,
0: really? I think I just wanted to focus on work, figured that was the best way to handle things. The initial shock and, and grief uh for what had happened to my fellow americans didn't set in until about a week later but being able to feel like i was part of something bigger and and part of something that was going to kind of help solve the problem gotcha Helped yeah. understand so
2: i was actually overseas at the time already um when uh, things were going down we were briefing a, a dv in our facility i was actually in a bunker in, uh in germany and uh, we get word during the brief that uh, that uh, the first tower's been hit. Um, so we had just gotten this TV installed into the work center, uh, having a cable feed into it. Uh, so we had uh, Fox News and we had AFN and that was about it right there I think we had CNN as well. so we only had like just a couple of stations, uh, which was not abnormal uh, back then, uh, especially overseas. You know, you had AFN, then you had AFN, and then there was the the, the time and truth favorite AFN um, that you could watch the whole time. So you know, having these news news outlets was uh, pretty interesting. So we bring that on. And we're like, man, this is crazy, right? Uh, I can't believe this is happening. And everybody's questioning, is it, is it an accident? Is it, uh, you know, what happened? Why, why did this plane hit? And then we, we bring on the TV and then we see the second one hit. And that's that reality moment, right? Uh, instantly, everybody just, whoa, this is no longer an accident. It's no longer a mistake. This is purposeful. Um, and uh, you know, that's when it starts setting in. I could, I could still remember my stomach just kind of knotting up right there because we realized that uh, you know, holy crap, this is going down. And uh, so we brief uh, our DV um and we're explaining to him what's going on. We're showing him on the TV. Uh, then his aide comes in and says, Okay, Pentagon's been hit. He's like, All right, we're bagging up, let's go. Uh, and him and his team rolls out. Uh, So we're getting prepped. Uh, We start uh, shutting down our facility. They start locking down the base and everybody's in the, uh, you know, the oh crap mode, you know, pucker factor's high and everybody's getting prepped. We're running uh, different perimeter checks and the gates shut down. Everything's getting shut down and people are freaking out. We got people stuck in cars uh, on the base. Uh, They can't go anywhere because everything's just there. It's a parking lot and everybody's freaking out and there's nothing. Nobody knows anything. So it's definitely crazy. Um, but Captain Hutto, you were somewhere completely different. So can you tell our listeners uh what was going on with you on
1: 911? Sure. Um, uh, I was 19 years old. I was a civilian, still trying to figure out what the heck I was gonna do with my life. Um I was working at a newspaper, Times and Democrat, um based out of Orangeburg, South Carolina at the time. And I worked in the circulation department. And um I just remember that morning being fairly quiet and someone coming into our department saying, Hey, there's a plane that hit one of the, uh, the twin towers. Um, so I, I go to the break room and, and check it out. And, um, I just remember feelings of sorrow, um, kind of tragedy, knowing that this type of accident had, uh, had happened and occurred. Um, and as we're watching, of course, the second plane hits and those, right. what was Peculiar was those feelings slowly changed to suspicion, uh, anger, uh, questioning what the heck is going on. Um, the news department that was just uh, next door to us was in absolute chaos. Yeah. Uh, back then, the news- newspapers were still pretty much a major source for information, um, way before iPhones, smartphones. Um, So you couldn't just pull out your phone and get, you know, the latest, uh, the latest news. So um, walking through there, uh, people, uh, writers and editors shouting like crazy. Uh, Everybody's on the phone uh, screaming to try to figure out what what's going on. Reports coming in everywhere. Um, uh, Every seems like every minute something was coming off the AP wire on. A new piece of information that came in, but it was so fragmented that it was hard to make sense of what was going on. And, um, we, uh, we normally put out a daily newspaper, but the appetite for information was so great during that time that we, we put out a special edition for the afternoon. Um, and we essentially gathered as much information as we could packaged it up, you know, nicely. And, uh, it was pretty much all hands on deck, take all these newspapers out to every place in the city, newsstands. Um, anywhere where we can get this information out. I can remember walking into a convenience store with a stack of newspapers uh, and people uh, grabbing the newspapers out of my hands before they even hit the stand. Yeah. And, and um, the, again, the, the, the appetite and the desire for what what's going on was so incredibly high. That was as a 19 year old, that was the highest I'd ever experienced uh, for just a frenzy for, for information. Um, and then of course, later on, we hear that the Pentagon's hit the, the flight in, uh, Pennsylvania goes down. Yeah. And then I think we all kind of realized that, um, this is most likely an attack. And, uh, I had been contemplating the, the military, the air force up to that point. Um, I hadn't made any decisions yet, but I think that's the catalyst that that spurred me to go talk to, um, recruiters. It took a while to, to eventually get into a delayed entry and, and eventually into the, um, basic training, which was February, 2003. Um, but it was things like that and realizing there's a greater need, um, in the country right now. And, and I, I think that, uh, my time is better uh, served, you know, in the military than it is, um being a bean counter for the circulation department of this newspaper.
2: Oh, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, it's an interesting point, right? I think that uh, it changed uh, the perspective of many Americans uh, at that point. I mean, uh, all of us have been in for a day or two now, and we've been through the greater part of, uh, you know, 20 years after the fact. Um, those those first few years, really, the surge of uh, recruitment um, was based on that that feeling, that need to serve based on some of these issues that happened um so when you originally joined what was the the, the culture kind of like right what was the the feeling of, of of service to you
0: minor well i can tell you it was a lot easier to get on base before that happened uh things felt a little more free and easy right so to speak
2: I remember so, like when uh, everybody was joining when I first came in in the '90s, it was like college, college, college. I'm, I'm doing my four years, I'm getting my GI Bill, and I'm going to go to college and I'm going to make something of myself. And it was uh, it was really um, focused in the line of um, I'm going to leverage this service for good, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna serve my country a little bit. I'm gonna get a GI Bill, and then I'm gonna go out and do something with it. I'm gonna get get a little bit of this piece for me. Um and then, after nine eleven you start talking to individuals, and you hear stories like Captain Hutto's um where there was a sense of, or an urgency uh in some senses of of having to serve and do something because um as an American, we just couldn't stand uh for this to go you know unacknowledged and, and working towards it. What do you think Captain hutto
1: so i agree and and all of us that went in um and I can speak to those who uh, we're in my BMT flight and of right. course others uh, that I met later on. We all kind of knew we would probably get, uh, you know, tapped for some type of deployment. We knew what we were going into. Um, I believe at that point in, in February of 2003, we'd already gone into Iraq um, and we were just going into, want to say Afghanistan uh, at the time and I can remember um, our TI pulling us into the day room. Because CNN or Fox or someone was actually showing live, uh, live footage of um, missiles being launched uh, at, at night, you know into wherever they were, yeah. um, whatever target it was. in um, that sense of like this is real. So we thought that uh, we would probably uh, be involved in something pretty pretty big, something pretty important, and then we're actually seeing it unfold unfold right. uh, before our eyes, Shocking right. off, right? It was shocking <laughs> off for sure. Um and it made us realize really quickly um that our commitments were real. Right. You know. So um that definitely impacted my my very, very, very early outlook on my military career, you know, only being in like literally weeks yeah. at that point. Um, so I never got to experience that that kind of calm. I don't want to say calm, but more of that uh steady, steady state, not not at war. Right.
2: Um I mean, I came in right at the uh, tail end of take the money and run, right? So everybody was getting the the money and exiting when they were doing a big drawdown. So it was a lot different, right? Uh, We were flush with people. um, The mission set was pretty steady state. So yeah, we were doing uh, support for Kosovo and S four, and then we were doing um, you know Southern Watch, Northern Watch on Iraq from uh, pre uh, post Desert Storm. So it was a lot different, right? It was normal rotations. It was a little bit uh, more uh, like as you you pointed out, minor getting on base was you had a sticker on your on under your window, and it was you can you get to come in, okay? Now uh, in UCOM and. Uh, you, for you it was a little bit different because uh, we had a a uh, little bit longer uh, history of having uh, terrorist attacks so you still get stopped at the gate quite often it just depends um but then yeah post nine eleven, right that that gate was shut down i remember i'm um, trying to get to to my uh, facility at ramstein and uh I was in traffic for like 45 minutes and I couldn't go anywhere. So I turned around and parked in my apartment, which was miles away, got on my mountain bike, rode some back trails to get to the gate and got on base faster than anybody else did. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was that kind of crazy to get on. Um, but we had to do a mission, right? So we, uh, you know, it's definitely different And going back to how crazy the newsroom was. Um, I was in a comp facility, right. And, uh, everything was just nutty circuits are lighting up circuit demands, um, circuit issues, we're just everybody, you know, the 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 system itself was just everybody was clamoring for what's going on, what are we doing? How are we gonna get after this? What's what's our posturing? You know, going right into Charlie, <clears throat> shutting everything down, then rolling back, how fast do we roll back? What are those implementations? Uh, you know, sit reps across the the whole uh, whole board. Um, so we got really, really crazy really quick. And for me personally, it never stopped at that point. Um, you know, I'd gotten picked up for another uh, unit. I was went uh, into a green door program and I was out. And that, that led to six years of, of nothing but nonstop uh, out the door TDYs and deployments um, for, for like six years of 190 days gone, right? Um, and then even looking a little bit back, uh, I remember tech school. And uh, it was, you know, pre-9-11, obviously. And uh, I remember sitting there and our, one of our instructors goes, okay, you know, ladies and gentlemen, I need you to understand this about your job. Uh, you have about a six-second life expectancy in a time of war. Um, you know, being calm, being in critical infrastructure and everything like that. You know, like, okay, wow, well, whatever. This guy's just trying to, to get one over on us. And then you know, nine eleven happens, and then you start realizing, oh crap, <laughs> this might actually be true. And then when you get into other mission sets, it's uh, you definitely understand uh, how important uh, all of these parts and pieces come in. So said so that
0: uh, understanding that why I'm serving is. It's a lot different after that moment. Uh, how did the service change for you, Miner? I think from what you described, things seemed kind of benign before, but then everybody started to rally, right? And, and that was a good thing, both in the community and in the unit. And I can still remember one of our flight chiefs talking and telling us how you were going to see a change, uh, more appreciation from the local community, and you did start to hear that more from right. people whenever they saw you out in uniform. Uh, Cap, you'd used the word sorrow. I, I felt the same thing, sorrow for my brothers and sisters and, and fellow Americans that uh, who had been subjected to those attacks. And I think the, the strongest thought that I had was, how could anyone have the audacity to do that to us? Didn't they know who we were? Didn't they know who we were capable of? Right. And so and so now there was this uh, kind of a united front that we were going to present. Right. Definitely there was a much more sense of purpose as
2: a nation, I think, you know, in those days leading after 9-11, everybody kind of took that punch. You know, some families uh, more so than others. I know that uh, we had family members in New York, just a few blocks from from the towers, one it one all down, and then you know that communication piece, things getting shut down, especially in New York, the the phone lines on uh, the civilian side going uh, you know bonkers. People trying to get a hold of people, um, there was hours, almost a day um, before we could reach that the, those family members to find out that they were were safe, right? And then you know all of those moments leading up, right? As you were watching on the TV, I was watching on TV, and then you got back briefed. Um, you're like, okay, it's going down. You see the fires, you see news reports, and things are just going crazy. And then the the, the time when the towers start dropping, right? That's when i are like, oh, my gosh. This has <clears throat> gone way farther than we could have ever expected. Who's ever seen anything like this? Nobody, right? And it's just, you know, all of that, trying to compute that. And uh, what's that next step, right? So for you in uniform, me in uniform, and you in the civilian, what – what does this look like and uh, how do we kind of rally even further to, to make it? So um, I definitely uh, look back at those times and, 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 wonder, you know, what would we do today if, uh, if that happened again, but hopefully we never have to have to do that. So do you have any closing thoughts minor on uh
0: on the subject? You know, nine eleven is one of those things that I, I try to file away. I certainly didn't experience as much trauma as, as other people did, but it's not something that we like to revisit. Uh, however, it has continued to have an influence on me and has motivated me to serve. And it's it's just something that I I draw strength from and, and draw satisfaction from that I still get to join with
1: my brothers and sisters in uniform and be part of the service. Gotcha. What about you, Kevin? Yeah, so I think for me, it's making sure we uh, tell the story, and you know, now we have we have new enlistees who weren't even born when that happened. Right. So trying to um, trying to, to get them to understand what happened and, and why it's so important to how we operate today uh, can be challenging because they didn't experience. I mean, I have children who uh, were born just after nine eleven, who can't, can't understand. Right. And, and it's important that uh, we don't forget and we can uh, pass on the importance of, of uh, what happened, not just what happened, but um, how we uh, responded and, uh, you know, rebounded and, and rebuilt also.
2: No, I think that makes a great point, right, sir. Uh, the history of what we did and uh, why we did it uh, is important. From when we go back to Billy Mitchell and, and the bringing on Air Force, when we talk about Doolittle raids, even though that was under Army Air Corps, when we talk about air power um, and uh, how the Air Force responds to uh, the need of a nation, I think that uh, post 9-11 is a good example of you know a moment where we saw something um happen and we had to respond appropriately from the airlift of getting the uh, resources into country um from shock and awe then the the continuous support of air power throughout the whole campaign um there's a lot of lessons learned right there's a lot of um things that we can be proud of as a as a nation and proud of a, as an air force um based on this example now no one wants to say that uh, that was something that we needed to learn those, those things. Nobody wanted any of the, any of those things to happen, nor do we uh, look at it with any kind of sense of um, glee. But it's definitely when we look at it optimistically of the the positives that came out of these moments. It's that uh, that ability to learn, that ability to flex, and uh, prove that you know United States Air Force is the greatest air power out there. Um, and look at what we did. You know, we did this. We did that. Um, and I think that, you know, tying that to our airmen today is very key of, you know, whenever something arises, the Air Force rises with it, um, with, no matter if it's a terrorist action, whether it's, uh, you know, warfare uh, from nation to nation, the Air Force always steps up and, and manages to execute the mission um, without flaw, and we are quite successful. Um, and then even tying that into cyber, right, you know, this is what we do here this is how this happens and here's how we've learned from all of these issues that that have gone after it. So it's definitely, uh, um, some good things to come out of, of a really, really bad situation. That's my thoughts. So that gentlemen, I really do appreciate your time today. Thank you for sharing your stories. Uh, they're both unique, both insightful. Hopefully uh, the gladiators out there can uh, reminisce as well, uh, with a positive optimistic look of, uh, lessons learned. Um, and then also understand that, uh, You know, we uh, would look back on uh, our lost brothers and sisters and uh, take a moment of thought for them. That said, gladiators, hope you have a great day. And remember stab your enemies in the face through cyberspace.